On today's episode, find out how one chance meeting totally changed the direction and trajectory of my business and how the same can happen for you. You're listening to the REI Branded Podcast. It's for you, the busy real estate investor who wants to stand out from the crowd and attract the right leads, right partners, and right clients every time. My name's Paul Copcut, and each week we'll be looking to decode and uncover what makes a real estate investor brandtastic and how you can apply it to your real estate investing business. Each episode is intended to be valuable, cut to the chase, and actionable, so you can begin to implement quickly and easily to get the results you want in your business. Thank you for listening. Now let's get to work on making you brandtastic. Okay, welcome to today's REI Branded Podcast, and I am excited uh, to have with me today John Nemo of Nemo Media Group. Uh, John and I met at a conference, uh, actually in my hometown in uh, in Hamilton, Ontario, I think 2015 or 2016, we were trying to remember, but uh, we're old and our memories are going, so... <laughs> so um, so that was a that was interesting because that was really the catalyst for my whole getting involved in real estate investing because John had a program on how to use LinkedIn to find leads and, and generate leads. And I took John's advice. I took his program. I took his advice, redid my LinkedIn profile, and that is how my original real estate investor client found me. So, uh, so welcome, John. Oh, man. I love that story, Paul. It's so exciting to be here. You got to finish the story, though. How did they find you? How did, how did that happen? Because I don't think so, people realize how LinkedIn works. Right. So, uh, so she literally um, put, you know, I, ne- I never realized, and I think John does, uh, did point it out, but I never thought people did it. She was actually using Google like, uh, or LinkedIn like Google. So she put in the keyword brand coach. And up, up I popped. And she reached out and said, I think I need some help. And we started chatting and we're still working together now, three and a half years later, amazingly. And last October, she quit her nine to five job and we replaced all of her corporate income with additional income outside of her real estate investing. This is other other income from coaching and mentoring and, and podcast sponsorship and everything else. And you owe it all to me, Paul. And I owe it all to you. <laughs> Well, what the rest of the story, we can get into this too, but I'm sure when, now one of the things, yes, people use LinkedIn like Google to find a vendor, find a partner, find an investor, find a you know provider, whatever it is, find a brand coach. But when she landed on your profile, because you had a very unique LinkedIn profile that was client facing, which we'll get into how to do that. I'm sure that helps you quite a bit in her being able to scan it and say, whoa, this guy has exactly what I'm looking for. So I'm excited to be here and talk about this. Awesome. So I'm going to give people a quick 10-second background on John. Um, John is an online course creator, best-selling author who helps business coaches, consultants, entrepreneurs, and small business owners generate quality leads, build their client base, and increase revenue using digital marketing platforms, tools, and strategies like content marketing, LinkedIn, obviously, and webinars. And John is also the author of eight books, and is a former Associated Press reporter, talk radio producer, 
award-winning PR director and social media consultant based in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And has winter gone away yet, John? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, only a Canadian can understand the struggle we have with spring. Like it's, as we're recording this, it's like, it's allowed to get warm, isn't it? Anyway. Yeah. Thank you for that kind introduction. Um, it's been such a journey and it's been so much fun following you because when we first met, you know, I remember you were pretty skeptical and like, I don't know about this Nemo guy. He's crazy. He's yelling a lot, you know, and I'm like, just do it. It's going to work. It's going to work. And it's so fun here four or five years later to hear how it's gone for you. Awesome. Let's, let's kick off with, uh, you know, the last year. Uh, we've, we've all ended up online. So how, how much more critical is managing and marketing and, and finding leads online versus even pre-pandemic? Right. Great question. And I always start with, you know, I've been socially distancing since 2012. Right? <laughs> That's when I quit my safe day job, went on my own, um, and really decided I wanted to have my own business, start a marketing agency. I had one client. I had enough money for 30 days. Uh, back then in 2012, I didn't have a travel budget. I didn't have investors. I had three kids at home. Uh, my wife wasn't working. So it was on me to like get leads and grow a business quickly. And what I discovered back in 2012 and what applies even more now with the current state of affairs in the world is you can find and engage and sell quickly to your ideal clients online. That is very true and it's more valuable than ever. The real problem most people have, Paul, and we can get into how to overcome this is people don't know how to sell online. They don't know how to do it. And they, especially if you're on LinkedIn, I'm sure you're going, yeah, every message I get on LinkedIn is a spam sales pitch asking for stuff. And and really, it's been fun to watch people try to catch up and they're kind of fumbling all over when in reality, there's a very specific way to do this. And we can kind of unpack that as we go. Yeah, let's let's dig into LinkedIn as a, a great start because there'll be real estate investors listening to this show who are looking for joint venture partners. So typically professional people who don't want to get involved in the day-to-day hassles of running real estate, but they'd love to get the returns. So they're looking for passive or silent partners. Uh, and I would think, and I certainly I've had clients that have had success with finding those kind of people on LinkedIn. So what what are the sort of things a real estate investor needs to be thinking about when it comes to their LinkedIn profile first, and then maybe talk also about activity? Right. That, that's a great place to start because the first thing on LinkedIn, whether you like it or not, if you have a LinkedIn profile, that's almost the guaranteed the number one search result if someone's looking at your name. So whether you like it or not, that thing is everywhere. So what does your profile look like? And the big mistake that 99% of people make, and you know this, Paul, is they have a LinkedIn profile that really reads like a resume. So it's written in the third person. It's about your company. It's about your jobs. It's about your roles. And the only problem with that that I've discovered is nobody cares. Right? Nobody cares about you, Paul. I'm sorry to break it to you. Maybe your mom does, but nobody else cares. And I have this quote on my desk. I'm actually looking at it right now from Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Wrote it in 1936. It's more true now than ever. It says, people do not care about you. They do not care about me. They care about themselves, morning, noon, and after supper. So what I discovered and what you want to do with your LinkedIn profile, if you're a real estate investor, is really flip the script. Instead of having a LinkedIn profile that reads like a resume all about you, it needs to be all about how you can help this target audience solve a problem or get a benefit they want. So for example, here's a real quick, simple win. 
right? Basically, if you're a real estate investor and you're looking for partners, equity partners, investing partners, whatever, your LinkedIn headline, which is right under your photo, typically most people are going to have their job title and company name like CEO and email media group. And again, no one cares, right? Within two seconds, someone's going to see your invitation or your message and it has your photo and your LinkedIn headline. And they're going to look at that and go, well, why would I want to connect with the CEO of some company? What do I care? Instead, what I like to have for your LinkedIn headline right under your name is your target audience plus the service you provide. So what you could say is if you're a real estate investor and say you want to court, you know, different people to, to kind of partner with you, it could be real estate investing solutions for target audience. And maybe you want to, one of the other things with LinkedIn is the riches are in the niches. So what I always tell people, like if I was talking to a real estate investor and say, well, who, who have you already had as silent partners affiliates, like, oh, I've had a lot of success getting physicians to invest with me. I've had a lot of success getting, um, you know, entrepreneurs. So especially just here in Canada, I really focus here in Canada. So your LinkedIn headline could say real estate investing services and solutions for Canada-based physicians and entrepreneurs. Now, when we connect the dots, when you go out on LinkedIn and prospect, and by the way, LinkedIn looks like, you know, Google for leads, like the way that Paul got found is you can go into LinkedIn and type in, you know, physician in Canada and entrepreneur in Canada and connect with them and talk to them. And so if they get a message from you, a note from you, and it says, John Nemo, real estate investing solutions for Canadian-based physicians and entrepreneurs, If you're going to see that and you're going to go, well, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a physician, and I am curious and intrigued by real estate investing. I might want to look at what this guy has going on. See how targeted that is as opposed to CEO of company name, blah, blah, blah. And that's really the, the place we want to start. And in, in terms of that, and that's great suggestion. So in terms of that first outreach, are you suggesting messaging or are you suggesting connect first? Right. So and we'll back up a little bit. So again, so that's your LinkedIn headline. And then the rest of your profile, we want to really, again, make sure that's client facing because that's why Paul landed that first client right out of the gate. And it's it's really following this format that talk about, you know, the first line of your LinkedIn profile, what I do, colon. And you say, I help. And you insert the name of a target audience, get a benefit they want by providing your solution or service. So if you're a real estate investor, carrying our example forward, I help Canada-based physicians and entrepreneurs grow their wealth and increase their um, investments by providing you know, uh, real estate investing opportunities. Now, if I, again, connect with you, I see your headline, see that first on your profile, I am going to qualify myself and say, that's something I'm interested in. You look like the guy to talk to. So what I suggest is, once you've got this profile client facing and it's all about what I do, who I serve, what makes me unique, different, better, instead of a resume. Now I suggest you go out, you use LinkedIn search like Google B2B for leads. You find those exact people that you've tailored your profile to talk to. And yes, invite them to connect and then use one-on-one -on -one messaging. And I say this all the time, the money's in the mailbox. You don't have to do anything else on LinkedIn. Just <laughs> find people connect to them, and then talk to them one-on-one. -on -one. And we can get into that whole strategy. But again, that's it. At the end of the day, you've got to connect with people like human beings. So it's building relationships. It's building right. relationships. Building no like trust. It goes back to Carnegie. Yeah. Like, okay, if, if I walked in to have coffee with you, Paul, would I start by going, 
hey, Paul, I'd like to show you a prospectus of my latest real estate investment opportunities. And I would like to know what your uh, average investment uh, portfolio looks like and how much uh, percentage of that is in real estate investing. And I would like to set up a meeting to you know, do an intake and gather all your financial data. You would not start a conversation that way, right? In real life, talking to a human. You'd be like, hey, where are you from? Oh, you're from Hamilton. Okay. Or yeah, you know, I haven't been there before, blah, blah, blah. Or are you a fan of this team? Or I see you went to university here. Like you would actually talk to them like they're a human and break the ice. And so what you do with your one-on-one LinkedIn messaging is, again, when I look at your profile, I can see all the icebreakers. Where do you live? Where did you go to school? Uh, Some people will list hobbies and passions. I can see where you work. And so once you do that, again, yes, build some know, like, and trust, bring some personality in. And one of the things with one-on-one LinkedIn messaging that you'll notice is they want you to hyper-personalize it. You can insert funny animated GIF images. Uh, With the LinkedIn mobile app, you can do little selfie video messages or selfie uh, audio messages to your contacts, to your person on the other end. You can uh, attach images, right? So it's meant to be very personable and one-on-one. And then once you break the ice and once you start talking to people, uh, now we can pivot into the sales conversation. And the way that this works well on LinkedIn with one-on-one messaging is there's basically four key components. And here's the ideal one-on-one sales script for LinkedIn messaging. It's very simple. You say, curious, are you interested in blank? If so, I have a great free blank. If you'd like me to send it over, just reply yes or thumbs up. No worries either way. So let me break down that script. One is you ask a question. Curious, are you interested in blank? Are you interested in real estate investing? You ask about a topic, right? Because you're reaching out to a physician in Canada. You have no idea if they maybe are interested or not. So you need to qualify them. Again, this is the big mistake so many people make with LinkedIn is they just hammer people with links and content. And I'm sure you want to read all my prospectus. No, I don't. Like, ask me, right? So you say, are you even interested in this topic? And then you say, the reason I ask is, uh, I've got a great free blank, and that's a piece of content, a great free case study, a great free ebook, webinar, on-demand training that shows how physicians in Canada can get these benefits. And then the next part is, so part one, you ask a question. Part two, you offer something of value for free. Part three is you ask permission. If you would like me to send it over, just reply yes, or I use the thumbs up emoji. And that way, they are able to qualify and raise their hand. And then you take the pressure off with the final part and you just say, and if you're not interested, no worries, have a great one. Because you can circle back to them. Like that message format right there gets zero complaints. Nobody says I'm spamming you. Nobody says don't ever message me again. Because again, I'm being polite. I'm being friendly. I'm asking question. I'm letting you decide if you're interested. And if you say no, I'm saying no hard feelings. So that I can come back to you later on in a couple of weeks or a month on LinkedIn with a new topic, a new idea. And that keeps the door open for these conversations. And, um, and what you're saying is it's quality relationship and, and message building versus quantity, 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 and just hoping a certain percentage is going yeah. to come out of the bottom. Yeah, because again, people are just going to hammer away and just assume you want it. Like, I'm not looking to buy real estate in Melbourne, Australia right now. Sorry. Like, not interested, live in Minnesota, not like, ask me. Right. Just add, like it, you're wasting your own time prospecting by marketing to people who aren't interested. You're wasting your time marketing to people who aren't qualified. So stop it. Right? <laughs> Ask them very clearly. Say, are you even interested in real estate investing? No, I would never do it. It's too risky. 
great. I don't want to waste time trying to convince you. I'll take you off my list. I'll go to the next person. Are you interested in real estate investing? Yeah, you know, I'm curious about that. I'm I'm a physician. I'm getting, you know, I've got a lot of investment opportunities. I don't really know. Yeah, that's one that people have mentioned. Why do you know what do you have? Oh, great. Well, I have a case study specifically about physicians in Canada that I've worked with and the results they've gotten. Would you like to see it? Yeah, send it over. Now you have content. That content that you've created, which again, it's a case study or examples or or showing them something. That's your currency that you have to buy their time and attention. Content is currency. You have to have some sort of content, right? To show them you're legitimate, you're an authority, you get people results, you have testimonials, not sales marketing stuff, but storytelling, case study. And again, hyper niche, the riches are in the niches. If I'm a physician in Canada. I want to know, Paul, have you worked with people just like me? Have you worked with right. physicians in Canada who've invested their whatever you call it, your social security benefit or whatever into have you? Okay, great. What was the outcome? So just make it simple. Like go to people you've already had success with and just sell them the same thing. And when you say the riches are in the niches, why is that so important? Because people only care about themselves and everyone is going to question, have you walked in my shoes? Have you worked with someone like me? Do you really know what my world is like? Okay. There's going to, with that no like, and trust, if I know that you have worked with other physicians and entrepreneurs in Canada, that immediately signals to me as a prospect, oh, he's worked with people in my profession and in my industry. So he knows the challenges. Oh, he's worked with people in Canada. Okay. He knows all the laws about Canada and investing in Canada, right? He knows about the opportunities in Canada and the real estate market in Canada. That to me as a prospect is super important as opposed to some guy in New Jersey just reaches out to me in Canada and goes, you want to buy some apartments in Jersey? Yeah, hey, why not? I want to invest. Uh, like, and like, I don't know, like, or trust you. There's just an easier built-in path to follow. And that's why I always say like reverse engineer where you've already had success. If you've already had success with these affiliate partners and sound investors, what are their commonalities? Were they in a certain industry, a certain profession, a certain location? Right. Reverse engineer that when you go prospecting on LinkedIn. Make your profile all about those people, how you help them. Make that little piece of content a case study. Just take one client that you've had success with, share that story. Then you're going to open up these opportunities and people are going to go, boy, this really makes sense. It's You work with people just like me in this area. I am interested and it seems like you really know what you're doing, you're credible, as opposed to, I've got to be convinced you could help someone like me. Because everyone thinks they're unique and different and special, and it would never work for me. Whereas if you can say, I work with coaches and consultants all the time. Like, I work with physicians all the time. I know your world. Right. And you mentioned about uh, not needing to do anything else because the, the money is in the mailbox. So what about things, we all get hung up about social media and putting content here and we've got to be on there and we've got to be doing content every day or 10 times a day or whatever. Not needed in LinkedIn? Uh, if you like to waste your time, you can do it. <laughs> uh, here's what I would say. People will preach to you, you got to post 60 million status updates every day. You got to get videos and you know uh, this and this and views and likes and comments and you got to get engagement and you know blah blah blah. Like I call those vanity metrics. Like you can't deposit likes or shares or comments in your bank account, right? You only can deposit money. So if I say to you, 
hey, would you rather spend your time talking one-on-one to your ideal prospect and trying to move them into a sale? Or would you rather create a bunch of content, throw it out there and hope someone sees it and hope they follow up and hope they do all the extra work and hope they go to your profile and hope they click on a link in your profile and hope they go to your website and hope they opt in and hope they call you. Like there's so many extra steps. You just need one or two pieces of great content. You go to the exact person on LinkedIn, you knock on their virtual door. Hey, name's Paul. This is what I'm doing. Are you interested in this? If you are, I have some great free materials. If you're not, I'll happily move on to the next house. What you're doing is the people that raise their hands and say yes, those are the people you follow up with. They're interested. They're curious. They want more. They don't need to be convinced that investing is a good idea. And that's why you don't need to spray content everywhere because the reality is, Paul, there's too much. It's all getting lost. It's all getting washed. And yes, it's nice to have consistent content to, like we talked about prior to this, like to have credibility and authority and have a brand. And that's great. But if you're crunched for time, you're going to be way more successful talking to people one-on-one, having just enough content to kind of move that relationship forward and then closing deals. I think you've just highlighted for a lot of people, one of the big concerns is, oh my gosh, how much time is this going to take me? I've been told I've got to do this. I've got to post 17 times a day on Facebook because that's yeah. the average. And you know. But now what we're saying is take that time and invest it. So how much time should be people be spending on LinkedIn? And I know the answer to that is probably how long is a piece of string, but <laughs> what's... Well, it's quality, not quantity. So again, put in, I would say, spend your time on LinkedIn. Obviously, there's work involved to get a client-facing profile. Okay. Get that optimized, target audiences, riches or niches. Then I would spend your time searching and really digging in using LinkedIn search filters to find radio prospects. Knowing I've already had success with people just like this. I want to go find more of them. And then spending time personalizing that engagement, breaking the ice, noting where they're from. And again, you can automate some of this because you can build a list of physicians who live in Toronto and then have a copy and paste message to each of them that says, hey, I see your physician in Toronto. Are you a Leafs fan or whatever, right? To break the ice in Canada. Um, and then, you know, really the only other time you spend is looking at who's saying yes, who's interested in delivering them that content. And you can set up all these automated delivery mechanisms. So once they say yes, you can drop them into a tool like, you know, lead pages or Entreport or a CRM where it automatically emails them the ebook. It automatically sends follow-up emails that automatically have a call to action to, you know, book a call with you or fill out a type form, whatever it is. So all that can be automated. It's just your time is really just making sure that when people say yes, you engage and respond. And so that's hour or two a day, honestly, once you have everything set up and and again, I, rather than all the cold calling and randomizing and just spend time with people that raise their hand and say, yeah, I'm curious, tell me more. And when you're talking about uh, LinkedIn and then emailing, what you're suggesting is getting, it, LinkedIn is the tool that starts the conversation, but as soon as you can get them off. Get LinkedIn. the heck off LinkedIn. Yes. ASAP. And there's a couple of reasons for that. One is you're playing in LinkedIn's digital sandbox. So tomorrow, LinkedIn could say, we're going to charge you a dollar for every invitation. We're going to charge you $5 for every one-on-one message. What are you going to do? It's their platform. They control it. They can change the rules anytime they want. So 
You want to use LinkedIn to find people and start the conversation. But as soon as you get them to say, yes, I'm interested in your tips, your content, whatever, what I do is get their email from their LinkedIn profile and opt them in on my website. So again, the idea with that script I shared, if you're interested, just reply yes or thumbs up and I will send it over. What that's basically inferring is I'm going to opt you in and email this to you. And I've had no pushback or complaint because people are saying, yeah, I want to see the content. So what you do is when someone says yes on LinkedIn, 99% of people on their LinkedIn profile under contact info have their email listed. So what you do is you open their profile, copy their email address from contact info, drop it into your little opt-in area on your website, whatever. And then you write back on LinkedIn and you basically say, fantastic. I just sent over the case study to the email I found associated with your LinkedIn account. If you want me to send it to a different email or don't see it, let me know. Can't wait to hear your thoughts. And so that's queuing them in like, oh, we're taking this off of LinkedIn and over to email. And that's how you found my email from my account. So I'll go over there to follow up with you. And now you have them on your email list. You have them in your CRM. You have them on your digital turf, so to speak, and not on LinkedIn. Mm. Great tip. Great tip. Now, you you did write a book about content marketing. So, and we've just talked about content is there's too much of it. So what is the right kind of content marketing? And what, what are the things that we should be thinking about when it comes to content? Yeah, I'll give you two really simple tips to create great content. So the first tip on well, what do I create? What, what does great content look like? It's very simple. It's a personal story plus a business lesson equals content. That's the formula. So personal story plus a business lesson equals content. I'll give you an example. Uh, when we moved into our house, I had to haul a bunch of stuff to the garbage dump. Okay. Drove into the garbage dump that day. It was a hot summer day. It was smelly, stinky. It was awful. I mean, it was a garbage dump, right? Just heaps of trash and refuse everywhere. And I thought, this is terrible. This is awful. But there's probably a story in this, right? Like, how can I tie a visit to the garbage dump to a business lesson? And I immediately thought of mindset. That's one of the things I'm passionate about is mindset as, you know, being successful in life that, you know, income improvement follows self-improvement. You can't outperform your self-image. So I thought, well, there's a piece of content in this garbage dump business lesson. So I thought, oh, stinking thinking, going to the garbage dump and telling that story about how smelly and gross it was reminds me, what is my thought life look like? Is it smelly? Is it a dump? Do I need to empty the garbage because that holds you back? And so that's one simple example. You could say, you know, if you're a real estate investor, what's a good personal story I've had uh, in any phase of life? Um, you know, and then how, what's a business lesson? So here's an example. We had a client who went skydiving. She was always afraid of it. Uh, for her birthday, someone bought her a skydiving. She jumped and had all the pictures. And I said, there's an email. So the email was, you know, subject line, can't believe I did this. And then the first line was, I was standing there ready to fall 10,000 feet to the ground and sure I would die. Like, whoa, there's a story here. What's going on, right? As I jumped out of the plane, I had no idea if I'd make it home alive, right? And then pivot into the business lesson, which is sometimes you have to take a risk. Sometimes you have to embrace the adventure. Investing can be a lot like skydiving. It's scary at first, but make sure if you've packed a good parachute, you're going to have a soft landing. But there is a piece of content. Here's another one for case studies. So people say, well, how do I do a good case study? Three simple things. What it was like, what happened, and what it's like now. That's it. Answer those three topics. What it was like, here was the pain or the problem or the struggle that the client had or the person had. What happened, 
here's what I did to help them. Here's the principles we applied, what it's like now. Here's the happy outcome solution ending where they're at today. Those are two just really simple ways to create great content in any format, video, audio, written. People overthink it, Paul, but we're humans. We love good stories because that's how we encode and remember information. We love to be entertained, which stories do. And we also like to take away a lesson or you know something from it. And that's why you put in some sort of lesson or thought. And then you just have a call to action. If you'd like to learn more, go here, fill out this form, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then, and then reinforcing that with testimonials. Yeah. So basically yeah. then depending on, you know, where you want to send people, if it's a case study, for example, you can have, you know, what others say, right. Working with Paul and his group, I got this outcome, this result. My big thing with testimonials is always include real people, real information that can be verified. I see so many testimonials online, you know, Paul C Canada. It's like, is that really a real person? Like, are you making this up? Like, give me the full name. Give me the company name. Don't otherwise don't use it because it looks fake. Like that's one. Oh, my investors, they want to stay private. They want to, you know, anonymity. Well, then you can't use them. Because if you say, you know, private investor Canada, well, you just made that up, right? Like who believes you? We're also skeptical. If I can't verify these are real, like I've had this happen when I do case studies and I put in the names of the coaches, consultants, or entrepreneurs have help with LinkedIn, Paul. And they'll be like, you must have published your case study somewhere. I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, I got 14 LinkedIn messages today wanting to make sure I'm a real person. (laughs) People don't believe me. I'm like, here's her on video. Here's her picture. Here's her name. They still message her and go, did you really work with John Nemo? Are you a real person? Like people are that skeptical. Okay. I'm going to put uh, John Nemo to the test because one of the markets that real estate investors, you know, one of the niches is doing rent to own. So rent to own is typically for somebody who has bad credit rating, needs to rebuild it. Um, maybe have gone through you know a life change, divorce, something like that as well. So if they successfully complete the rent to own operator, obviously wants testimonials, but people are very reluctant to put their name to. Yeah, I was in a crappy situation five years ago, and now I'm I've, I've managed to buy my own house. Is there any? Yeah. Situation? for that kind of sensitive topic. Yeah. I mean, it really, you've really got to have a good relationship with your customer and you've really got to sell them on, again, Dale Carnegie, people care about themselves. I want to make you look really good. Can I share how awesome you are and how successful you've become? And part of your journey has been, you know, rent to own, right? And so people are just afraid about, is it going to make me look bad? Am I going to look embarrassing and will it hurt my pride and ego? So what you do is when I really want to use a testimonial, it's a sensitive topic. I will pre-write the testimonial either in their voice or I'll write the little story, the vignette. And I'll say, again, I'll frame it as here's what I was thinking. You know, here's how I would portray it. You know, I know it will help people that you are an inspiration, that you will really motivate people. Um, I would love to be able to, you know, use your story for good to help people who have been in your shoes. Because you'll find people that'll be like, yeah, that's awesome. I want to help. I want to serve. I want to give back. I'm motivated by helping others because I know what it felt like, as opposed to, hey, I want to make money off your story. Can I just say that you were in a sucky situation and really were struggling and I made it better? Like, you know, (laughs) it's all how you frame it, right? Right. And I think not everyone's going to feel comfortable with it, but if you've done a good enough job, there will be a few people that'll say yes. And then you'll say, hey, you know what? 
the the thing is we've got to use your real name you know we've got to use a little bit of people have to at least verify you're a real person so can we you know can we do some combination of like your name or your photo or you know whatever like i mean and then you know that's just you have to work with that and if you can't if you can't get their real information then just tell great stories you know and say this is the story of Joanna. This isn't her real name. As you can imagine, she's not really wanting to share, you know, her struggles publicly with everyone, but here's what happened and give enough details that make it feel real. Right. I think you can find ways around that with storytelling and just demonstrating the concepts. And it worst case too, you can always use your own stories. If you have stories, people love that when you're authentic and transparent and go, you know, the reason uh, I know all about rent to own is I was once in that place when I was 25 and struggling. And so like people want to relate to you. They want to feel like you're approachable. And those are different ways to to get that across. Great tips. Great advice. Okay. I'm going to switch gears a little bit because um, the, I think the LinkedIn and, and the joint venture partners and the investors, great, great info. On the other side, one of the other big areas is the wholesaling part of the business, buying motivated or finding motivated sellers, buying off market properties. Because <clears throat> as we've, I, I'm sure you're seeing the same in, in Minneapolis and ev- everywhere is house prices are rocketing up. Everybody's competing, overbidding, uh, multiple offers. It's it's a mess if you're on the MLS. Oh, that's a good tagline. There you go. It's See, a mess <laughs> it's a mess if you're on the MLS. I love it. <laughs> so, what what should people be thinking about? So people that are looking at motivated sellers, typically the approach is Google pay-per-click, you know, 20,000 postcards in a neighborhood, um, Facebook advertising, trying to find people that are wanting to sell their house fast for cash, which then also gives it a little bit of a... Um, a negative connotation in a lot of people's minds. It's kind of, oh, you're taking advantage. So there's always that challenge. And it's also a very competitive market. So what what suggestions or tips do you have for people when that's... I think that's really where your creativity and your copy and your branding has to come in. So when you do a Facebook ad, a Google ad, targeting, you know how to target the people, but how do you get them to pay attention and trust you, right? I think of like the tagline, we buy ugly houses. They used to have these big yellow billboards and an ugly like monster guy and a website. And it was like, we buy ugly And it was like, it was very obvious. Like if you have a rundown cruddy house, they'll buy it and sell it. Right. So that was a simple thing or something like this is crass, but like mom died. You have to sell the house. Let's talk. Something like that, where it's just like very much you're in this frame of life because they know the situations that people are in. So I would overlay those situations into the copy, into the content, right? Um, You know, um, did you just lose a loved one and don't know what to do with the house? We can help, right? Something like that where depending on your personal brand as a company, how do you approach it? Do you like to use a lot of humor to kind of put people at ease? Are you very, the caring, compassionate? We know this is a hard time. You know, we want to be very sensitive and that's our brand. You pick your brand, right? But the key is to have one, <laughs> you know, like one way or another, either we buy ugly houses or sorry for your loss. Can we help? Right. And assuming, you know, what, what we do, we help those that have lost a loved one recently and are struggling with estate issues, struggling with 
you know, property issues, you know, what makes us different? We have a very caring, compassionate, blah, 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 or, you know, and again, what you'll do if you have a strong brand like that, Paul, is you'll attract people that like that and you'll repel people that aren't a good fit. Instead of trying to be everything to everyone, you'll be very clear like, hey, we don't take ourselves too seriously. We like to have fun with the process. We know it's heavy. Let's laugh about it. Let's lighten the mood, but let's get it done. Or we're very sensitive, compassionate, caring, slow moving, sensitive, and that will attract people, right? Because there's going to be other people that go, I don't want your sympathy. I just want to sell mom's house. I could care. You know what I mean? Like, and those are the people with we buy ugly houses will be like, cool. Yeah, man, mom's dead. Let's get some money. You know? And then other people will be like, I'm really grieving. I need this. And they need a little more of the high touch. So you just, as a brand, the biggest sin in marketing is being boring, right? The biggest sin is having a boring brand that's bland and no one remembers. And I'm not saying create a fake brand where you scream and yell and jump off buildings. I'm just saying, bring your real, true, personal, authentic self and your company culture and whatever it is through in the marketing and in the copy. And you'll attract people that want to work with you. It's funny. I was just hearing a podcast uh, today. Uh, It's a a real estate investor marketing podcast. And they had a guest on who specializes in the seniors area. So specifically, long what, what what he's aiming for is he's not He's not even aiming at the the old couple that are about to move into the long term care. He's obviously trying to target the the kids because it would be the kids that are trying to fund that. But his whole marketing and his whole approach, he doesn't do pay per click and he doesn't do Facebook advertising. He works with the long term care providers. Yeah, referral partners. Brilliant referral. So all of it referral and building relationship again, building relationships, which goes back to what you were saying earlier about no light trust. And it will come through for you. That's a great model too, is go where you know the need is already, but then you have to court and market to the referral partner. And that's a different set of messaging than going direct to the consumer. I know a guy that sells insurance and does insurance sales training. His whole model is don't go chase consumers, go chase bankers, mortgage lenders, uh, loan closers, because they're doing 20, 30 house sales a month. All those new sales need insurance. House insurance, fire insurance, flood insurance. You know, like he's like, just go to them and become their best friends. They'll just refer you. Hey, I'm bringing my friend John in. He's an insurance guy. Do you need help with your house insurance? He's a great guy to talk to. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, it's great stuff, man. I love it. And I guess lawyers as well, because lawyers are probably the first to know about the death. The first to That's know about another good one. Potential right? div- divorce. Estate planning <laughs> attorneys, divorce attorneys. Total. Yeah. Because you know they're going to have people in a stage of life. They have to get rid of a property. With a divorce, someone has to sell the house, estate planning, someone just died. Yeah, brilliant. Right. You got it all figured out, CopCut, as <laughs> usual. I'm jumping into the episode because I got so carried away with the great content and insights that John was sharing in the episode that I completely forgot to ask him the four questions that I typically ask uh, guests on the podcast. Uh, The four questions, I sent them to John and he provided his answers. So here we go. Uh, What is your favorite brand? And John's answer is, my favorite brand is Apple. I've always admired how clear and simple their marketing is, like the tagline, think different. Also, their showmanship during the Steve Jobs years was second to none. Who else could make launching a new product a worldwide must-see event? The way that he launched products like the iPhone was incredible and so many great lessons there. 
uh, a favorite business book or podcast. Uh, the business book I live by is How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. It's been my Bible for sales, marketing, and customer service from day one of quitting my day job and owning my own business. And favorite tool or resource. It's got a steep learning curve, but the more I understand how to use Entreport, the more powerful it becomes. In particular, the automation features and choose your own adventure nature of how I can customize a prospect's journey through my content based on actions and the choices the prospect makes. And favorite quote, people do not care about you. People do not care about me. People care about themselves, morning, noon, and after supper. That's Dale Carnegie. And back to the episode. Any final tips, words of wisdom that you would like to share with the audience? I, I think the key thing is just really understanding that the person on the other end of those messages is a real human. That the, the number one mistake I see made over and over again in online marketing sales is we don't treat the other person like a human. We don't message that way. We would never... The true test is, would you say this face-to-face -to, -face to a person, what you just wrote in that email or message? Would you really start a conversation there? No, then don't, right? <laughs> start it with asking them some questions, you know, breaking the ice. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's definitely the right approach. Right. Wonderful. Excellent, John. So um, now, obviously, for most of you, you're listening on audio. So I'm, I don't know if John is even wearing his Zuba's pants. <laughs> Not today, unfortunately. Not today. Yes. But if you want to see them, then you should go to his website, nemomediagroup.com. Um, anywhere else that people should check you out, John, or get in touch or find yeah, out about your, your various programs. And Obviously, I'm on LinkedIn, John Nemo. You can find Nemo, that movie, Finally Help People Spell My Last Name, Finding Nemo. <laughs> so John Nemo on LinkedIn. Also, if you want a free copy of my book, LinkedIn Riches. I give it away on the front page of my website, linkedinriches.com. LinkedIn and then the word riches, R-I-C-H-E-S, linkedinriches.com. You can get a free uh, audiobook or the you know ebook version. Now to give you a really a running start to everything we've talked about today. Wonderful. Excellent. Thank you, John. And uh, good luck to the Vikings next season. <laughs> we will need it, my friend. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Take care. And if you're wondering where your real estate investing brand currently stands and some steps to make it more brandtastic, you can download our free REI brand checklist at reibranded.com forward slash checklist. That's reibranded.com forward slash checklist. Thank you for listening and have a brandtastic day. <laughs>